Amen. Good morning. How'd you guys enjoy that song this morning, the services today? Say amen. 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 God is good. Amen. And um, we're in uh, a new series that we started last week, and we've been talking about what it means to have close friends. And if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by a gentleman by the name of Solomon, and he gave us a lot of wisdom. He wrote the, the wisdom literature. And a um, lot to be said about how we interact and how we engage each other in our relationships. And, and I think sometimes as Christians, and I mentioned this last week, that oftentimes our view of relationships and our view of friendships are often defined by or characterized by uh, worldly ideologies, worldly comparisons. And so one of the things that I think is very important for us to do, very vital for us to do as Christians and as followers of Jesus Christ, is that we often go back to the Word of God. And we allow the Word of God to define and shape and um, reframe how we think. And, and, and we want to be a people of the book, and, and we want our lives to be governed by the Word of God. And so in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17, the Bible says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for the day of adversity. Now, how do we, how do we define friend? I, I just think that's something for us to think about this morning in, in our message review this week, as we talked about that, we, we talked about what does it mean to have a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? And, and there's so many ways in which we could unpack this part of our life, but we want to discuss the truth. And if you're taking notes this morning, maybe jot this down. Friends stand with you. That's really what a friend is. And so it's important to have real friends. It's important to be a real friend. And so our goal is to understand what the Bible says about friendships and, and what does it say about uh, uh, us being the kind of friend that honors God and the kind of friend or the kind of person essentially that lives to be a blessing to others. Now, unfortunately, much of what we know about being a friend, and this is so true for all of us, and this, is, this goes for me as well, when, when I took the last couple of weeks off and I was reading and and, and, and doing some things and just evaluating, and I was actually reading and preparing for this series, uh, I read a book called Friendish, and, and even I've fallen into particular ruts or habits or types of thinking that is contradictory to the Word of God. Most friendships are built on commonalities. Do you know that? Most friendships are built on commonalities. They're built on how a person makes me feel. If they make me feel good, if they do something for me, then I'll be your friend. The others are built on commonalities, like oftentimes what you find is that people are friends because they're in the same age group, or maybe people are friends because they have children that are the same age. Maybe you have a friend because um, you're in a running club together, and you've heard me mention this before, but you know, as you get older, things start to break and tear down. If you're a little bit older, say amen. And let's just say you're in the shower, and all of a sudden, you know, you're getting cleaned up, and then all of a sudden you hear a pop, and you, you pull a hamstring just by taking a bath. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of you laugh, and that happens, right? And you're no longer in the running club, and you no longer have those friends that you used to run with, right? And so a lot of relationships are built on commonalities, or how a person makes me feel. So this morning, we want to unpack the truth that friends stand with you. Our friendship are there, our friendships, if you will, are there to help us grow. They're there to help so that we can serve one another. And often in serving one another, it gets messy. It just does. And that's the beautiful thing about the church is that we're a family. And oftentimes we do hurt each other. And oftentimes we do get sideways with each other. And always we don't always like what each other, the things that we do. And sometimes, even in a church family, it's difficult because we see 
each other's warts and we see each other's shortcomings and, and we see the, the failures of one another. But last week we learned that relationships should be characterized by, some, by the same sacrificial love that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. This means that we put others first in our relationships. And I just want to ask you, did you do that this week? When it came to your marriage, when it came to your kids, when it came to your parents, when it came to your friendships, the relationships that, that you find in your life, did you find yourself thinking about, at least thinking about it, even if you didn't, right? Did you think about putting those around you? Did you think about putting them first? Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever had a friend that you could count on? Maybe someone that you could call? Listen, even if you went to jail, they'd be your call, right? You get one call, and you're in the pokey because the popo put you there, and you got one call, and you're not even calling your attorney. You're calling your friend. You're like, yo, I need you to come and bail me out. Do you have a friend like that? The person in your life that you know that will stand with you no matter what. You see, our text teaches us this morning that we can have those kind of friends, and the Bible teaches us how we can be that kind of friend to others. Now, hopefully you're not in jail, and we're not just bailing each other out you know, all the time, but I think you get the illustration. Because the big idea today is this. Friendship is deepened by our commitment to hang around when it gets messy. That's what friendship is. Friendship is a commitment to hang around when it gets messy. And maybe you've had a friend walk away from a friendship. Maybe they, maybe they ghosted you or they stepped away because of some failure in your life. This is one of the things, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had this happen to me where people ghost me, and, and, and I thought we were friends, and they just didn't, they never re-engaged. People walk away from the, the whole relationship altogether. And there's just something about that that just shakes you to the core, right? And yet, no matter what your past experience has been with friends, God calls us, God calls all of us to a different kind of approach when we look at friendships. He calls us to stand faithful together in love, regardless of how messy our friendships and relationships can get. And so today we want to consider, and I want you to focus on this thought today. It's, it's, it's kind of an addition or an addendum to the big idea, and that is this. The focus of biblical friendship is on what we give others, not what they give us. That's the focus of biblical friendship. Now I get there's a lot of ways in which we can define friendship, and you're not going to be friends with everyone but everyone should have some friends that you roll with. They're your tribe. They're your people. They know you. They know you to the core. They know your failures. They know your struggles. They know your weaknesses. And guess what? They're okay with it. We're going to talk about what that means, that they're okay with it. But they're there to stand with you, walk with you, and help you become more like Jesus Christ and to grow in his likeness and stand in his grace. And so we focus on not what we get from the relationship. We focus on what we can give and how we make each other better in our pursuit of who Jesus is. And so let's talk first of all this morning. The Bible says in verse 17, a friend loves at all times. So let's define friendship. How would we define this? Friendship is, a, is formed between, and please, please note this today, please know this today. Friendship is formed between imperfect people, imperfect people. There's not a single one of us in this room today that is not a sinner. There's not a single one of us that have not hurt someone else, have not lied to someone else, have not cheated someone else, have not betrayed someone else. We are imperfect people, and that is so vital for us to understand. And, and, and friendship, as it is defined and as it is formed, it's formed in the messiness of life. Life isn't a straight line. It's not clean. It's often very, very messy. And that is the context 
if you will, in which relationships are often framed and they're often formed. In fact, friendships are formed when someone gets offended. That's, think about that for me. You're like, really? When someone offends me, that's when the friendship starts? I would say so. You see, friendships are formed when someone gets offended or someone gets hurt. It's formed when someone has a need or someone is pulling away and you lean in and you stand together with them in that messiness, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, even when you get nothing in return. You see, biblical friendship is distinct. It it brings the grace and forgiveness and the truth of Jesus into the messiness of those realities, and it is messy nonetheless. Now, in fact, friendship, it's an ongoing effort. True friends is an ongoing effort. In fact, what you could, you could say it this way, friendship, it perseveres, it stands the test of time. Another way of saying it is this, is that it just keeps showing up. Each person, they just keep showing up. They keep being there for one another. They keep uh, loving and leaning in, even when it's hard, when it's difficult, when there's been hurt or offense or some type of betrayal. We see this in the life of Jesus. He leaned in when he was accused. He leaned in when he was betrayed. He leaned in when he was left lonely and, and he was even left for dead on the cross. Not a single one of his disciples were to be found within eyeshot. You see, not everyone's going to be a close friend, but this text reveals that there are going to be people that become close like a brother who is there for you for the day of adversity. Now, some would say, well, you know, my wife is my best friend. That's great. She's one. Well, my husband, he's my best friend. That's great. He's one. But there needs to be some others in your life that know you. There need to be some others in your life that walk with you, that call you out on your stuff. Now, in all fairness, I love my wife, and she is a godly woman, and probably more godly than I am. And if, if we were uh, you know, going to ordain women, you could ordain her to be the pastor. She'd be a much better pastor and, and more godly than I could ever imagine to be uh, this side of eternity. And there are times in our marriage that she would say to me, you know, Jay, you're really struggling with this, and, and you need to really figure this out. And I'd be like, why are you being so judgmental? Why don't you back off and mind your own business? You know, you got your own stuff you're dealing with. All right, if you're married, say amen. You know what I mean, right? Come on, amen. Some of you are just scared of your spouse. You're like, eh, I don't know what he's talking about. I think you say everything just the right way at the right time, you know? Okay, whatever. I, you know. But there are times where April will say something to me. There's been times where I've said stuff to her, and I'm like, man, you know, I just don't know why you're struggling with this. And, you know, can I help you with this? And she's like, I don't want you. You know, all that stuff. You know, right? She doesn't say it quite like that, but, you know, it's close. And then there's times where she'll go hang out with a friend, and, you know, a friend points out something and says, hey, you know, this is a. Uh, this is an area that's probably problematic in your faith, an area that you need to work on. And she'll come home and she'll say, man, I had this great lunch today, and, and so-and-so encouraged me in the Lord, and they just was pointing out all this. I was like, I've been telling you about this for like five years, and you just went to lunch today and had chicken salad chick, and you just figured it out over chicken salad? Come on! And so, yeah, man, like you should obviously be best friends with your spouse, but there should be some other folks that are walking with you in that. Is there someone right now that you might need to lean into that relationship to forge a more God-honoring relationship that preserves and serves you both. One that's forged in failure, betrayal, hurt, and messiness of life. Now, now listen, I mean, <laughs> that sounds kind of strange. Like, oh man, friendship's forged in betrayal and hurt. Yeah, man. I mean, it is. Because when you step to someone and you say, hey man, you hurt me. And that person comes to you and they say, you know, I'm sorry I did that. And I certainly didn't intend to do that. And I 
need to be aware of this, and I want to thank you for pointing this area out in which I hurt you and that I failed you. Can, can you be patient with me as I seek to ask God forgiveness and seek your forgiveness, and as I try to become a better version of myself and a better follower of Jesus Christ? All of a sudden, you have this bond with each other. You guys with me say amen. It's just different. It's different than just going to Six Flags or going to see the Cardinals, or it's different than just you know going and playing around the golf, because now what, what is happening in this relationship is you're both pursuing the life of Jesus Christ in a way that is much deeper, one that's forged over time. Maybe you have a person in your life that's obstinate. Maybe they're difficult, yet you sense God is calling you to be a friend to them. The second thing that we see in this, this passage of Scripture is that we see friendship is deepened. The Bible says in verse 17, it says, a friend loves at all times, a brother's born for the day of adversity. It's like you have this friend, but they're, they're a friend that's, that they're almost like a blood relative. They're, they're family. This, this relationship is deepened in some sense. And since friendships are messy, we must ask ourselves if we'll be the kind of friends who persevere. Are we willing to stand with friends even when it's hard? I mean, just this week, I, I look out at our church, and I don't know why, but it seemed like last week this series and this passage, these passages have resonated with our church family. God gave me the opportunity to minister to some folks on this topic. This week, unfortunately, someone in our church, their, their garage caught on fire. We had another uh, church family member that, um, that they had an emergency surgery this week. We had another, uh, Zach and Mariah, we celebrate the birth of their child this week, amen. Um, they had a healthy baby, uh, Elliot, uh, yesterday morning. Uh, which I don't know why 2 a.m. is the morning. That's like night to me. Like, I'm not up then, but I get it, you know? And so we're, we're, we're to, are you guys with me? We're together in all of this, right? We're together in all of this. And so friendship isn't easy. In fact, friendship is and can be a profound struggle. And consider with me some areas of struggle and strengthening. These areas are either going to deepen or they're going to divide the relationship, testing its purpose, its wherewithal, the reason for its existence. And one of the areas that can either strengthen or, or um, struggle in a relationship or deepen or divide it is this, is the area of sin. It's the area of sin because we are imperfect people. One of the, one of the areas of benefit from friendship is overcoming, and, and please write this down today, one of the benefits of friendship is overcoming our sinful hearts. That's one of the beautiful benefits of friendship is learning to overcome sinful hearts. You see, one of the real tests of a friendship is when someone you're doing life with hurts you or messes up or sins in some way. It tests the strength of the relationship. It tests the very purpose. It divides or deepens. And so 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Now unpack that just for a sec. Like how different would your marriage be? Would your family be? How different would the relationships in your life be if... Above all, we earnestly sought to love one another rather than condemn or judge or try to assess people's motives or, 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 or challenge them at every turn. And, 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 and we, we, we realize that like not everything needs to be called out. Are you guys with me? Say amen. There's just sometimes we just need to love each other. Just this week, man, like uh, April uh, and I, uh, we were somewhere and something happened and, and, and she said something to me, and I popped off at her, and I apologized to her. We sat down yesterday before, uh, d during breakfast, and I said, babe, I am so sorry. I should never respond to you that way. And know this, I'm beginning to see some areas of my life that I'm struggling in, some areas of my life that 
that are not righteous, that are not good, and I'm not being the husband that God has called me, so please forgive me. And then I said to her, and I want you to know the reason that I, I did that, and it's not right, it doesn't justify it, but in that moment, listen, I was afraid. I was afraid. I had an anxious moment. I had a moment where I felt out of control. And in that moment, because I wasn't relying on the Spirit of God and I wasn't walking in the Spirit, and I was trying to control the outcome of my situation, when you tried to help me, I popped off at you. And I'm not saying that you need to excuse my behavior, but just so you know, my, the offense that I have towards you or that you have towards me, I did not respond that way because of you. It's because of me. It's because of the things I'm dealing with, I'm struggling with. See, this is what 1 Peter 4, 8 means. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. This isn't a pass to sin, but it's an invitation to grow deeper into the relationship, into friendships. Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider how to stir up. Now, I like the King James on this passage because it says this. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and to good works. I mean, that's what a friend does. A friend challenges you. A friend stimulates you. A friend, friend calls you out and says, hey, we can do better. We can be better. We can more passionately follow Christ together. That's what we're in this thing for together. And so at the end of the day, we all recognize that we're sinful. We're broken at a heart level. And, and one of the realities that strengthens friendship is dealing with our sin together as, as friends in a way that honors God. So here's the question. And please write this question down today. Do you have friends that point your heart to Jesus when you struggle with sin? Do I have a friend that points my heart to Christ and the gospel and his forgiveness and his grace when I struggle with sin? When I struggle with sin. Is there people in my life? Is there a person in my life? And we have to constantly be reminded that forgiven people forgive people. We have to be reminded of that. Be reminded of that in your family. Be reminded of that in your marriage. Be reminded of that in the church. And be reminded of that in friendships. See, because when, when you can be authentic and even mess up, and, and hang in there with me as I explain to you what I mean by this. When you can be authentic and, and mess up and fail, man, that's the optimum environment for growth. Because if, I, if I'm with you, right, and I can just be myself, be who I am, because we're family, right? Say amen. Amen? Now, when I say family, I don't think we really understand the depth of that. But here's, here's put it this way. Let's just say I decide to come over to your house, and you have me and April over for dinner, and you know, you bring out your best dishes and uh, you, you cook a great meal, right? That's super nice when people do that. But you know what my favorite time is? Is when I go over to someone's house and they bring out a bucket of KFC and we get mashed potatoes and we eat on paper plates and I can just wear my house shoes over your house, maybe a pair of joggers, elastic joggers, so I can eat a little bit more. Are you guys with me? All right? And, and we can cut up and we can have fun and, and, and we can, guess what? We can be friends, all right? So when I can be myself and when you can be yourself in an environment like that, you know what happens? Oftentimes we, we end up sinning. We end up being ourselves. And sometimes ourselves can be very sinful, can be very messy, and it can be very ugly. And the beautiful thing about friendship is that friends will love the ugliness. They'll love the, the, the sinful parts of our lives along with the other parts of our lives. And they're there to help us, stay with me, 
progress through, process through, and pursue Jesus more and more, even in spite of our shortcomings. That's a friend. This is what we're talking about this morning. I've experienced God's grace when a friend points out my sin and they stood with me patiently and encouraged me to grow and not quit on God. When they stood with me in times of obstinance, yeah, man, there's been times where I've been rebellious and they leaned into the relationship rather than pulling away, helping me to grow and see my sin. I hope I can be that kind of friend. I hope that that you can be that kind of friend. We should never, ever permit sinful behavior. When I say sinful behavior, this is what I mean by that. Some of you feel like, some of you will say to me this morning, well, Pastor, you know my spiritual gift is being a prophet. I'm here to just call things out. No, your calling is to be a jerk. Don't do that, right? <laughs> That's not the gift of prophecy. Here's what I do with my wife, my, my kids, what I try to do, and they'll probably correct me at lunch today. I'm like, Dad, that's not what you do. You need to go back and tell the church that's not what you do. <laughs> in my mind, okay, what I try to attempt to do in the relationships that I have is when I see a pattern over time that's not corrected by the Holy Spirit. Then I say, God, is there things in my life that I need to correct before I step to this person and say, hey, this, I see this as a pattern in your life, and I see that this might be a little bit destructive for you. Can we talk about that? That's what it means to have a friend and to confront each other's sin in one another's life. Truly, truly great friends will be patient in your personal growth, in your pursuit to follow Jesus. One of the things that you want to note this morning is this, is we often write people off because we forget that we too are in a process. We forget. We forget we got our own junk. We forget that we have our own sin. We forget, too, that we have failed Jesus Christ on on innumerable occasions. We have pockets of sin and selfishness, and there's great value in friends who not only point out the areas of sin, but they're willing to stand with you. Biblical friendship, Christine Hoover says it this way, is being willing to love, forgive, and bear with those that we might not understand. It means being willing to confess sin, inadvertent or not, and receive the grace that helps us grow. Man, this passage teaches us that real friendship is there when adversity hits hard. I've had friends that have truly modeled this in my life over the years. Had it happen to me this week where a friend just kind of called me out in some areas of my life. And he says, man, I love you too much to, 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 not, to, to not point something out to you. I've had it happen in the last couple of months. I have it happen all the time. That's the beautiful thing about being a pastor. My whole life is on display, so all of you are my friends and feel like you have access to just correcting me all the time. Amen? But there are some folks, I mean genuine, genuine folks that will step to me and say, hey man, I'm just concerned about your spirit, concerned about the, 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 the trajectory of, the, of, 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 of your life right now. Can, can we pray about this? Can we, can we work through this? Friends stand with you when you suffer. They stand when life is messy. And these characteristics reveal that friends stand with you no matter how bad it gets and no matter how difficult the season is, they are there for you. Parents, don't get mad at me when I say this because I think the kids will understand, but friends, friends are there for you when you're stupid. Can I get an amen on that? And sin, and kids, hear me on this, and this is an appropriate use of the word stupid. Don't call your sibling stupid or, or the person that cut you off in traffic stupid, even though they probably are. <laughs> but kids, write this down. Sin makes you stupid. It just makes you stupid. It makes you foolish. It makes you do things you never thought you would do. And you need some people in your life that will call you out and say, hey, man, that's not bright. That's not the way of the wise. That's not the way of the word. 
They'll be there when you're sinful. They'll be there when you're struggling. And if you have friends like this or you're a friend like this, it's truly a gift for God. It's a treasure. So simply put, a friend hangs around no matter how messy life gets for us. Now listen, I, I want to kind of add this caveat because we're talking about a very broad subject today, but do this. Don't judge a friendship or its potential by a short period of time. Sometimes you, you find yourself in a relationship with someone and it is a struggle to be their friend. It's a struggle to love. It's a struggle to call out. It's a struggle to stand with them because sometimes they are obstinate. And there have been moments in my life where I've been obstinate. There have been moments in my life where I've been incredibly foolish. There have been moments in my life where I've been insanely selfish and yet there were some godly friends that I had around me that said, hey, you've got to stop doing this. You've got to think about this. You've got to evaluate this. You've got to lay this up against the word, man. And I would try to justify and I'd try to rationalize and I'd try to explain away the different things. And, and they just stayed with me in that until I found my way back to the word of God. And so you don't want to throw your pearls to swine. What happens if you keep telling a friend or a loved one, hey, man, like this is a problem, this is a problem, this is a problem. They just, they won't hear you. Here's the way that you know. Are they in process? Man, so many times we just want sanctification to happen overnight. And it doesn't. It's years, man. It's years. To really change and grow and do the inner work that we need to do to be the people that God has called us to be and to fulfill the purpose that God has called us to fulfill, man, it takes time and patience. And that's why Paul said that we should be a people of long-suffering, which means patience with people. Even if they're growing at a slow place and persevere and be that brother, that sister that's born for the day of adversity. And then I want you to see as we wrap this up, and that, the last thing is this, is friendship is devoted. Friendship is devoted. There's a commitment. There's a devotion. And I believe this morning two things. The friendship is devoted to two things. The number one thing is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friendship is devoted. The foundation of every relationship that we have should be the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this over and over again. The gospel has implications beyond salvation. Every relationship should be defined by and driven by the gospel. When your relationships are driven by the gospel, they're not about you. Are you say amen to that. Amen? When your relationships are about Jesus and when they're about the gospel, they're not about you. They're about others. They're about the people around you. And so whether or not that person actually has a relationship with Jesus, or if they do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, again, it's not about you, it's about you loving them. And listen, people that don't know Christ as their Savior, who have yet to put their faith in Jesus Christ, listen, they're not a project. Can I get an amen on that? And sometimes, religiously speaking, we often treat people like projects, when in reality, we're there to treat them and love them in the way that Jesus did. Because it's not about us. And so when we look at the life of Christ, everything Jesus did, he did it for others. He didn't do what he did to further his own agenda. He lived for others so they would experience more of God. And so in your relationships, are you living for others so that they would experience more of God, more blessing, more purpose, more joy, more peace? Are you, are you listen, are you bringing that into your relationships today? Are you bringing that into your family? Are you bringing that into your marriage? Are you bringing that into your friends? Are you bringing that into the people that you're trying to share Christ with? Are you, are you bringing this essence of, hey, this isn't about me. It's about you. And I want you to experience more of God because of me. And I believe if we approached our friendships like that, it would revolutionize how we see life. That's what it means to have a relationship devoted to the gospel. Grace, forgiveness, and serving is the byproduct that flows from this foundation. 
The, the second thought is this, is devoted to the gospel, but then devoted to growth. Friends, help us grow. And I've already talked about this, so I'm not going to just rehash this, but listen, we're, we're devoted to their spiritual growth. Yeah, friends should have fun together. Celebrate the highs and lows. Go to the Cardinals game. Go bowling, axe throwing. If you've got an anger problem, go to that place here in town where you just destroy the room. I don't know, whatever it is for you, right? Go have some fun together, but that relationship should be built on the gospel. It should be built on growth. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Again, we can't excuse sin, but we can't allow people to be themselves so that they feel safe enough to move from a shallow friendship to a relationship where they're challenged to follow Christ and live out his purpose in their life. Listen, we want to challenge you. I want to challenge you this morning. Not to use your friendships to your benefit, but to the benefit of others. We want you to be driven by the gospel in your friendships so that you're growing in your likeness to Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we do that? What does this look like? It goes back to the big idea. Friendship is deepened by our commitment to hang around when it's messy, when it gets hard. See, we got to invert the goal of our relationships and run them through this biblical grid that not only attracts the kind of friends we want, but aligns with the life and work of Jesus. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Jesus is a friend that stands with us when life gets messy. And if we're ever going to be more like Jesus, we too must stand with our friends when it gets hard and messy and difficult. So can I ask you this morning, isn't that what we all need? Every single one of us in this room today needs Christ in our life. There are moments of lo profound loneliness that we all experience, and we need Jesus in our life. But isn't something special as well, in addition to Jesus, when someone steps into our life and they emulate the life of Christ in a very tangible way to us? Can you guys say amen to that? Amen, right? I mean, it just kind of changes. When someone genuinely loves you, no strings attached, unconditionally, and they're willing to selflessly sacrifice so that you can be better. Don't we all need some of that? And so I want to challenge you to be that kind of friend this week. Consider the blessing you could be just being there, just being present, standing with someone who may need you when life is hard, maybe someone to encourage them to stand and, and not give up and speak faith into their life. Listen, we're so quick to be cynical. You know, Derek brought up the, the revival this week at Asbury, and there's another school that's like having extended seasons of prayer. And, and our first response typically is cynicism. We're quick to criticize. And I just wonder how radically different we could be if we laid down our cynicism and if we laid down our criticism and we stepped into our relationships with compassion. So I want to challenge you to do this this week. Reach out to one or two people. That's it. Just reach out to one or two people and just model the life of Jesus. Forgive where you need to forgive. Love where you need to love. Stand where you need to stand. Encourage where you need to encourage. But this week, I want to challenge you in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, at school, at work. Try to be a friend with no strings attached and be a present representation of Jesus himself to those God has put into your life. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor, I know Jesus, and I know that I'm forgiven of my sins, and I know that 
I'm right with God, and if I were to slip out into eternity today, I know heaven is my home. Would you lift your hand and let me see those hands this morning just as a way of testimony? Amen. Now, how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm uncertain that I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. I, I just don't know that I know Him. I don't know that I'm forgiven of my sins. I don't know that I'm right with God. I don't know that if I were to slip out into eternity today that heaven is my home, would you pray for me? Is there anyone that's like that that's in here today? Anyone at all? Amen. Now, how many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, I'm being honest. There are times where I make my relationships, my friendships, I make them about me. And the Word of God is challenging me to be a tangible representation of Jesus to those in my life. And so this week, I want to commit to just being a blessing in, in, in a Christ-like way to those around me. And I want to be a better friend to those that God has put in my life. And I'm going to do that to one or two people this week. Would you just lift your hand and let me see those hands and just commit to that visibly, physically this morning? Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Father, I'm not good at always being that kind of friend. Confess that before you today. Life gets hard. Life gets busy. Feelings get hurt. And oftentimes I shrug it off and I hunker down and I get introverted and I get self-protective. But I'm thankful, Lord, in going to the cross that even though you were betrayed, you were accused, you were hurt by those who walked with you, those you healed, those that you ministered to, those that you served. God, you leaned in, and you leaned in all the way until they nailed you to a cross 2,000 years ago. And you bled and died for my forgiveness and for my salvation. You bled and died so that I could be made right with God. And I want to be that kind of friend to my wife, to my children, to my church. I want to be that kind of friend to the people that you've put in my life to, to share Jesus with. God, I need people in my life that are going to call me out in the areas of my struggle areas of selfishness, areas of sin. God, I want to be that kind of friend to others in a, in a non-judgmental, critical way, but God, in a way that is compassionate and loving and good. And Lord, I really believe that as a church, Southgate, we need this. So often we pretend and we play the game. We act more righteous and more religious than what we really are. Many of us are living with anger and hurt and loneliness, and many of us are, are walking in seasons of sin and struggle alone. There are some in this room today, God, that if they were being honest, they, don't, they probably don't have a friend in the world. And it's sad that they could come to a church like this and sit in a room like this, surrounded by hundreds of people that claim to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and not one single person will ask them how they're doing today. God, forgive us of being that way. Forgive us of not stepping outside of our schedule, our time, our goals, our agenda, our, our convenience to bless and minister to those around us. God, help us to be a people that, that have healthy relationships, a place of honor. And God, help us to serve you, Lord, to the best of our ability in this way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I want to call you to this this morning. There's some folks in this room today, I know, I know, they're struggling with sadness. They're struggling with hurt. There's some folks in this room today that they don't know what tomorrow is going to look like financially. They don't know if their marriage is going to make it. There's some people in this room today that have kids that are away from the Lord, and they don't know who they can talk to because they feel like a failure as a parent, and they don't want anyone judging them. There are others that are struggling with sin in this room that, that, that may be so profound that many of us, our jaws would potentially drop to the floor or at least they think that. 
I'm just saying to you this morning, let's come to the altar today and as a family pray together. Say, God, I want to be the kind of friend that stands in adversity, that hangs around when it's messy, when it's admitting to being a friend like Jesus is a friend to you. I want to challenge you to do that today. So as Derek sings this first note, let's respond.